paramitas, the first paramita, the six paramitas, sometimes there's 10, is dana, D-A-N-A, paramita, is the romanization of the Sanskrit word, I think. So someone, it was Jessica, I think, asked me to talk about the paramitas, so I don't want to talk particularly about the paramitas, but I'll start with dana paramita. And perhaps I might do Sheila next or not. I don't know. So dana or generosity or giving or sharing or including, however that shows up, there's lots of different uh, ways that that can function. And uh, one of the ways that I teach it, I'm sure you'll recognize it when I say, start out by giving everything your attention. The most fundamental form of generosity, as I see it, as I understand it, and as I recommend that you practice it, is to give everything your attention. That's a, that's a practice. Uh, it's a practice that you can do moment by moment, if there is such a thing as moment by moment. As long as it appears as moment by moment, then do that. Give everything your attention. Don't necessarily add to it. As soon as you give it your attention, you'll see that arise, and then you'll notice that you laminate your opinions, ideas, judgments, and hopes and fears on top of it. It's practically synchronous, although it's not particularly. So give everything when you give everything your attention, then whatever is showing up, you're you're since you're giving it your attention, immediately what happens? The natural state, the natural state of dependent origination, you immediately receive something. You give it your attention, you receive what that is. Unless you're operating out of a strong self-centeredness or hope and fear or some other dynamic thing can be described in various ways, and you immediately start to modify everything. Well, I don't really want to hear the teachings that way. I'd rather hear it this other way. I really prefer this. I prefer this. Picking and choosing, picking and choosing. It's not that you can't pick and choose some, but the picking and choosing needs to come out of the awareness and not out of fear. And if you don't think you're afraid, you have work to do. And when I say work, train your mind. You don't have to be here. Go train it somewhere else. I don't have any monopoly on anything. But what, if what I'm saying resonates with you, and so we have some kind of connection, listen to what I'm saying. I'll say this uh, over and over again in different ways. Uh, as you noticed, I talk a lot until I drop or something drops. I can't drop. I've never showed up, so I can't drop. If you don't understand, then you don't understand. So the paramita, paramita means the the uh, the paramita means the the uh, crossing over. Um, para as a mita, uh, para means uh, to go beyond. Um, uh, I think mita means to receive, and ita ita means to give, uh, and I'm not sure about that. So somewhere in that area, I've read it before, and it sometimes shows up kind of backwards. So those are the words. So what do we do? Start with uh, giving. You, you'll notice that if you once you somewhat habituate yourself to this, it, it just you just start to just give in. You just give in. 
you're talk saying something and somebody else starts to talk, give in. Listen to what they're saying. What they're saying is much more important than what you're delivering to them. Not because it's the truth. It's because you need to be generous. You need to receive your brothers and sisters, your dogs, the birds, the lawnmower in the backyard. Receiving, receiving, receiving. It's a practice that is not exactly a rule or law, or if it becomes some kind of a standard, then you're not looking, you're looking at the standard. And what is behind that standard is constantly fluctuating and changing and appearing and disappearing and appearing. And so it's changing all the time. So if you're operating out of your belief in something or you're obeying a standard or you think that observing the precepts means to obey them, it does not. But it also doesn't give you the right to just do whatever the hell you want because you're just observing. You're just observing. Don't follow up anything you're doing, saying, thinking, smelling, hearing, feeling with another idea about it, unless it just shows up. And if it does, just observe. Just observe. The nature of the, of ego is very, very discontinuous. That's why it's so sneaky. If you think you're making some progress, you should come and talk to me. Or not. Or do something else. Maybe you are making progress. Madonna, give. This is uh, the first, uh, also aligns with the first boomie. I don't teach the boomies because they're, uh, I don't understand them. They're just too complicated. I get all knotted up in those myself because it's like they're trying to fit everything together. And uh, maybe somebody else can do that better than I can. Anybody that writes about it makes sense, but it tends to go away from what it is that I see. This doesn't mean they're wrong, but I have to teach out of what I see. If I teach out of some book uh, and reaffirm that, it just doesn't work that way. And I'm saying to you also, you need to make this your own. If you want to practice the Buddha's Dharma, if you want to uh, attain realization, uh, it's a lonely path. It's not that you won't have friends. So the first Bhumi or uh, uh, Pramudita or joy that joy is because you you started to get a glimpse, a uh, partial glimpse into the nature of reality, which is there isn't anyone. There, there's no solid being. There's still a whole lot of others out there that are going this way and that way and are doing pretty good and pretty bad. So there's lots of uh, atmosphere, uh, rooms, pictures on the wall, dishes along the side of the road full of whatever. There's lots of otherness, 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 everything. But when you go back and look this way, not much going on there. And what is going on is empty of a self. The five skandhas form, feeling, perception, concept, or memory, and consciousness are. No matter how much they keep tying into each other and reifying, supporting through ideas, opinions, judgments, fear, hope, all of those perambulations. You can't come up with a solid identity. Look at them. Sometimes look and see in the skandhas. See anybody there? There's somebody there. And if there is, or we do have somebody there, quite often that somebody is nervous or upset or worried. It, instead of just being the identity, it takes on what? I don't feel so good. I feel really good. Or I have a headache. Now, the headache is having a headache. And I don't mean to mock anyone or 
make fun of anyone's pain and suffering. Certainly don't. But you, 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 we, us, we tend to make it worse by wrestling with it and struggling with it and fighting with it. So, Donna, give everything your attention. You might consider, if you're talking and someone interrupts you, as I think I said earlier, just stopping and listening to what they have to say. You could, instead of just chattering away, watch people's, in other words, receive people's body language. You don't have to know what it means. You don't have to go into the, whatever that uh, uh, that movie that was, or that serial on, what was it called, Lie to Me? Yeah, it was very entertaining, but not true. Extremely entertaining, because it seemed true, because it was a story, a story. Look at your own story. We're constantly making stories up about everything. It's very rare for anyone, for me, to actually look at something and receive it as it is without having some kind of what idea about it. So it's the, the world, this manifestation of a, of a human being as you is being very generous. You're given this precious human birth and the opportunity to realize the true nature of everything. Astonishing. Everyone's given, everyone born is given, given that, but only a few are going to realize it because quite often we're operating out of passion, aggression, ignorance, greed, for something else, else, else. And uh, anger, resentment, fighting things that we don't like, finding something so that we can fight with it so that we don't have to realize our uh, empty, our emptiness. There's no one here. I don't care how strong your opinions or ideas are. Don't get rid of them. Don't join them. Don't believe them. Don't think. This is the only way you, that idea maybe, realize a fundamental emptiness of a self and one of the ways that will help you do that is to be very generous be very generous and very kind i don't care what kind of difficulty you see arising in another person especially if it's a sangha member i don't care what kind of difficulty you see if you do not have permission do not correct them that's not generosity that's one of the three Generosity is what? Give that your attention and receive. Be kind to others. Even if you see they have some difficulty somewhere. So these are these are kind of attitudes rather than things you, it's kind of an attitude. I can't remember what writer somewhere. Uh, I don't think it was uh, uh, Rinpoche. But some somewhere someone talked about uh, the Parmigas as being at an attitude about something. I think that's a good way to have the attitude of, of generosity, have the attitude of, of, uh, of uh, Sheila or morality, discipline, however you want to say. You have the attitude of that so that that has a chance to enter your mind frame. You have that, I, if you have a, something you're following, then it locks up and the ego mind, which you have not transcended yet, not accusing you of anything, not giving you credit for anything. That will, that will, that will make a nest right in there, just like termites. It will make a nest there and it will take credit for that and you will have a credential that you are being generous or kind. If you're telling yourself that you're being generous or kind, this is a confusion. There's no one listening to you. And if there is, it's unreal. He, she, they are unreal. Have no solid identity anywhere. You can transcend this world while you're sitting on your chair or your cushion. 
If you have an interest, I will help you. But you have to listen. Don't believe anything I say, but consider it. Consider it. So there are lots of other things that we could, different directions we could go, the Buddhism, uh, all the philosophies, uh, tr spiritual traditions are full of all kinds of, of things. Every, even then in the uh, um, uh, Brihadaranyaka Upanishad, uh, which was 300 years, I think, somewhere before the time of the Buddha, they were talking about charity, kindness. They were talking about training the mind. There is still uh, the, the idea of Atman or some kind of a transcendental self. Not a problem. They had a practice. This, all, this also shows up in the early uh, uh, Nikayas, early teachings of the Buddha. <clears throat> Practicing, excuse me, is a way of looking at this. And another way that I talk about this, and you know, Understand this. I say, watch the way in which you're greedy. Don't stop the greediness because you can because the ego mind is very, very clever because it is a, it is not real. It is a stage play, and it has a director, it has an actor, it has a, a, a best boy, it has everything, anything that ego needs to keep maintaining its apparent reality. It will find. That's why it's discontinuous. But it seems like somebody. So it is about watching that happen, not interfering with it, not becoming somebody who is generous. I mean, kind of getting, giving yourself a, a credit. If you're, if you help somebody or are generous for somebody and you're kind of, and they don't say thank you, look at what that's about there. They're not grateful for what I did. I just really helped them a lot and they never said thank you. Actually, in our tradition, although I quite often thank people because I, was raised that way, <laughs> as you all were. Say thank you to him, Bobby. You know about that. But actually, in the Buddhist tradition, it's not a not particularly a, a practice to thank uh, the teaching person because everything is just given. It's just given. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop saying thank you for whatever arises. I will. A very interesting area. If there's not questions around that, I'd be surprised. Go ahead. Uh, just to own your mind, uh, you said that it's not mm -hmm. a practice to thank the teaching person. I'm saying traditionally uh, that it's not a, a practice. And I might have said it backwards. It's not a practice for the teacher to thank the the offering of the student. I never got thanked by anybody, other than I. Uh, helped by them, so it's just it's just a way of looking at it. Don't don't misunderstand. I'm not going to stop saying thank you for that thousand dollars you just sent me. <laughs> you don't think that's funny, you guys? <laughs> it looks kind of gloomy. Don't go yes. Go ahead. Oh, yes. If you're being generous in one regard, you might have to be stingy in another. So if I give you all my money, then I can't give it to anybody else. So how 
if if we even think about that, is that interfere with generosity? I, I can tell you right right now, don't do anything unless you have to, and that includes giving me money, and I mean that sincerely. Don't do anything unless you have to, so that you're really clear about what you're doing. Because if you're if you're doing it because you want something, you want something else, uh, then that's a uh, that's difficult. It just makes it more and more convoluted. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying I'm not. I mean, without you, without all of you here, I couldn't do this. I can't function as a teacher unless I have somebody who functions as a student. And we can't function as a monastery unless people generously help us. I can't do anything. I My function is just to, has been over the last uh, many, many years, is to train my mind and then kind of discover that I might have some kind of understanding that may, may help others that are tired of being crazy, just tired of being insane, tired of being depressed, tired of being neurotic, tired of being having anxiety. That's why I'm here. If you can help me, of course, help. But if you can't, not a problem. I don't look to see how rich you are. But that doesn't mean I'm not... Don't have Go ahead. Go ahead. So, uh, this shows up in uh, in other ways too, as and I'm giving my attention to something, and that means I'm not able to give it to something else. Yes, yes, but that's still awareness. So uh, the awareness can be about how an, there's an area where you're giving your attention, and another area that you're covering up. It's called duality. So that, that's a powerful area to just contemplate the way each one of you contemplate the way you cling to this and let go of that. Just observe that. The observation transcends any thoughts or analysis or any any technical manuals on the nature of consciousness or um, no matter who wrote it. You actually can understand this deeper than your thought patterns. You can actually understand it where there's no more warfare deep in your heart. This doesn't mean that you don't have difficulty, or you don't have a toothache, or you don't stub your toe, or, or you don't uh, uh, have uh, back pain or something. Of course, life is suffering, so it's going to show up lots of different ways. But the, the fundamental um, um, the fundamental negative energy that tends to arise in human beings that causes them to go to war with themselves and with others uh, starts to lose its its energy. It just starts to lose its positionality because of the lack of reifying separation or me and them or right and wrong or up and down, back and forth. Enlightenment and sentient beings. Delusion and awakening. As it is said in the teachings, uh, co-emergent. Uh, if you see what this is, then at the same time wisdom arises, delusion arises together. Not separate. The ego cannot handle that kind of understanding, although it may try. Shoka has a question along those same lines that uh, yes. Sokoan was asking. Do the traditional ways of talking about dana support the dana of giving everything our attention, like helping materially, financially, etc.? I don't know. Go check it out. Yes, uh, they, it's about giving. It's about generosity or dana. So it may show up the way I emphasize it is much different. If you read other people, they're going to try to tell you to uh, that it, to treat it more like uh, some kind of a thing where you're trying to be generous or you're trying to be patient or you're trying to be more of a uh, kind of a push in that area. 
I'm not disagreeing with that. So some people may need to do some of that. But I think you, I trust you, each one of you, I trust you to know the way in which you need to handle this material. It's not a, it's not a rule to follow. It's not because if it's some kind of a standard, then we, we find a way to just, so we don't have to look at that anymore. You don't have to look at how greedy you are. You don't have to look at this incarnation that came in that wants something else. Because that may never go away. The, the desire for something else may never go away. That's a misunderstanding when it comes to the paramitas or the five paths or the 10 uh, stages, uh, 10 boomies. That's how it looks here. So you could say that I'm perhaps not agreeing with the Theravadans. I don't know. I'm not concerned with that. If they came and presented their whatever they were going to present, which they could do, uh, I certainly wouldn't disagree. I wouldn't say, well, I'm, I'm right about this. And you guys are, have a misunderstanding. If that's what you're asking me about, uh, was it Shoka? Shoka? Anything else on that, Shoka? Good question. So the basic understanding in Buddhism is everything is suffering. Suffering, we know that. And, uh, and we have the, uh, the uh, everything's dependently arisen. That dependent origination, you could spend the rest of your practice looking at what shows up as something is dependent on everything else. Because the somethingness of us or of me or of you is, uh, won't stop. It's still there. It's just not true. So that doesn't mean that if you transcend your attachment to the ego, that the ego is going away. It could get more irritating. You could be, become more irritated with how self-centered you are, sometimes called humility. Doesn't show up too often. Rare to meet someone who is actually humble, unless their last name is humble. Melissa from Portland has a question. She says, good morning, Melissa Bowing. If you are frustrated with a person, annoyed by someone or just do not like someone, how is this related to being more generous? Thank you. Yeah, you could, you could start by staying away from them. You could be generous and, and give them the space to be on their own. Ever thought of it that way? Stay the hell away from them. Probably you're irritating to them also. Or you could go, if, you, if, you, if the skill is there, this is just the first four parameters are all about skillful means. The last two are about wisdom. And I'm not, I'm not going to go into the other ones. We'll do that one at a time. Might take a few weeks. I don't know if you'll even talk about it again, but perhaps. But you, it's about observing the way that happens. It's about observing your uh, greediness. You can't just suddenly be. I'm not saying it's not taught that way. If you go in, uh, go on the YouTube and hear other Dharma teachers talk, even Trungpa doesn't present this the way I do. And that doesn't make him wrong and me right or me wrong and him right. It's, it's just a different way of presenting it. That's all. So in your situation, Stop. Melissa, well, let me finish with Melissa. It takes me sometimes a minute. In your situation, I would say, look at that situation 
and see there's so many uh, variables in there. Is it a relative? Is it something you actually, someone you live with? Is it somebody who's uh, on the top floor that you can just stop taking the elevator when they go to work? I mean, there's so many different things that you could look at to keep your distance from the person. That's also generous. Being generous, you're not in the face of that person trying to get them to what, like you or understand that you're not a bad person or whatever. So you could do that. It depends. It's very much, very much situational. So if it's someone you're kind of stuck with, in other words, uh, not stuck with anybody really, but seem to be stuck with like a, a marriage or a commitment or a, or a relative, give them the benefit of the doubt. Let, let them be notice that you're uh, insane. That's really helpful. Don't do that. The, the person you may you may be correct about that to some extent, but the, the way to work with that is is say, give them your attention by looking, receiving what they're saying, and then you could inquire. A generous thing would be how are, how are things going for you? You could actually start to be concerned about others. Narcissism tends to intensify the more you look at it without covering it up, without justifying it or without ignoring it. It's the very nature of the path is to is to deal with what the first thing out of the Buddha's mouth, as far as we know, is life is suffering. So this is a spiritual path, not a mundane path of take, doing certain things and following certain techniques and totally getting better and being happy. If you want that kind of life, I'm sure you can find it. But this is an opportunity to transcend the very thing you think is real, which is you and everything else. Reality is not separate. The Buddha saw that, and uh, <laughs> we could take the Buddha. I don't know if he'd listen. He wouldn't care. He doesn't need any thanks. It's not a merchandising mentality. This teaching, if I do this, I do as much as I can, and I give it away. It's not that you there are situations where you have to charge a fee for something, of course. But in that situation with uh, the way you're asking that, uh, Melissa, is uh, I would say look at it and see if the, is this something that I can just meet where it's at in its confusion and just listen and say, oh, I see what you mean. Could you say more about that? What would you do if you were me and you see all my terrible activity? How, how would you help me? In other words, include. You wouldn't have to do what they said, but you could at least appreciate and receive them being generous by telling you uh, what a terrible person you are. Not easy to do that. And if you have a lot of attachment to an identity, um, you probably won't be able to do that. But even that, if you're on the path, if you're a meditator, if you're studying the uh, uh, in the form of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, then uh, probably that's going to start to come over the horizon at some point, and you're going to, going to be able to see What's happening here? I interrupted someone. Someone had a question, and I finished Melissa's uh, response for Melissa. Is there another question? Sanho Bowing. For those of us who struggle to give financially, what are other ways we can support Soka Koji? Sanho Bowing. You, you're, you're doing it just by tuning in, just by being here, being Sangha. Sangha, show up, listen, participate. This doesn't mean you have to teach anybody anything. You could you could listen, you could participate, you could enter into the, the discussions about the Buddha's Dharma and all the different ways that we study that. You could stay in touch with the teacher. 
you know, I don't, I have no idea. I mean, I have some idea, of course, I can't, I'm not, I have some idea that some people are just much better off financially than others. And they tend to, to help more. And, and I appreciate that very much. Um, but the people who don't have money and also need help, uh, I don't really think about that. I might know about it just out of uh, uh, living with the treasurer. <laughs> I might know about it. And, I, and I, I, I say, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you, Sano. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for every, everybody here. Even if somebody just shows up and I never see them again, I'm still grateful for their willingness to just listen, just receive a little bit of this. It's not correct. It's not incorrect. And it's uh, the intention is to, uh, the vow that I took many years ago is to save all beings. And I intend to stay with that vow. And, but that how I do that, I don't have a, a methodology, even though you could use the parameters. I don't even remember them half the time. But I, isn't it interesting? I can talk about them. Yeah, there isn't any, there isn't any, there aren't any parameters. There, there are, but if, if, there, if nothing is separate, then you don't see anything but this. There's no goal. There's no path. There's nothing to do. Nothing is happening. Nothing comes to an end. Nothing starts up. At the same time, all of this stuff is just moving with tremendous speed and and shows up to the mind stream of someone who thinks there's an identity, a subjectivity as confusion or clarity or something I'm not too interested in, like what the next door neighbors are talking about. What are they talking about? Where are those monoculars at? You see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to make fun of anyone. I'm just saying that you could actually look at what moves, which is your mind. Always adding, subtracting, dividing, separating, and so on. Further questions are good if you have them. So Cajon from St. Louis has a question. Yes. She asks, if we stay away from someone creating irritation for us, are we breaking the Bodhisattva vow? No. No. If you do it out of your awareness... I mean, you probably have been around the person. I'm just speculating because I don't know. I'd have to talk to you personally about it. But probably that situation is just doesn't work very well. The chemistry with that person, that particular person's difficulty and your particular or difficulty or clarity, for that matter, just being around you might make them nervous. So it's, uh, and it's not particularly helpful to help someone when you don't have permission. So you could stay away. And then you can see what they do with that. Do they do they look you up and say, "How you know you haven't been around lately?" Or uh, it's so variable, it's so completely variable. And uh, but no, you're not. Uh, the, the only way you can break a vow will help you. The way you break break the, the any vow, but let's go with nonaparamita. Want to break that vow? I'll tell you how to do it. Just stop observing it. Same way, way with the, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Refuge in the Buddha is the example of someone who is sane. Refuge in the Dharma is the truth that he taught. Everything is dependently arisen. There's no self in the skandhas. Uh, life is suffering. The causes of wanting something else. And, and this can come to an end or cessation. And the path, as I uh, characterize it, is uh, uh, sit down, look at it, see what it is. Shila Samadhi and Prajna. I'm not saying this is what everybody else is teaching that are Buddhist teachers or lamas or whatever. I don't have that kind of credential. Mm. 
because I'm bowing. Yes. Earlier you described, uh, you said the statement, I have a headache, and then you said a headache is having a headache. But it seems we talk conventionally with the self-referential language. So how can we use that language without reinforcing the notion of separation? Bowing. Um, do a lot of sitting meditation. Uh, just be aware when you use the personal pronouns that you, you're referring to a, you're you are referring to a whole complex, a whole sensorium that is uh, just gets together and uh, presents as an individual. Like if I say I have a, uh, a synovial cyst in my back that is killing me, uh, I'm not going to say the synovial cyst is having the synovial cyst. I'm not talking about some kind of philosophy that separates you from it. No, you should say. Just be aware that that uh, that the ID quality there, the identity quality there, is uh, uh, unreal. You can begin to see that if you are in extreme pain. You can notice that the pain does not need an audience. This doesn't mean the pain is less. It could mean that it's more, but it's real, and it is at the end of your nerve endings. This doesn't mean you shouldn't get some medication or have an operation or. Go to the doctor, of course. It's a relative situation. But the fundamental feeling itself is not supporting a self. The feeling itself is not supporting someone else who's having that. If this is uh, confusing for you, then uh, probably the you, you have not reached the first bumi, uh, nor are you really clear about the uh, dana paramita and have work to do. There's a lot of, there's a reason this is laid out in stages because not so much because you go through the stages, it's because the confusion around this has so many different faces, so many different masks, so many different uh, strategies and propagandas and beliefs and so on. More about that, Kozan? Because I'm going, no, other than it just seems like we're conditioned to use language and without even knowing it, it just, every time we talk, it seems to separate. But you're, look at what you just said. You're aware that it separates. So quite often when we, when it separates, instead of just watching it separate, we, we come to a conclusion about it. That I, I should not have a, be self-centered, or or that I that is uh, reinforcing my identity. Not necessarily. Awareness, awareness, awareness. Again, awareness, 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 awarenesses, and what arises in it—the idea of separation or not separation, or self or not a self—it's it is so incredibly simple and so complicated because of dependent origination. There's no solid something anywhere. Wendy has a question. That's Wendy. What do the skandhas do without a self? They function. 
so the, one of the images that's sometimes used for that is the, fun, the skandhas instead of getting together and saying me or me against them or me for them or me, uh, I don't really like, I don't care, uh, I'm going to do this, I'm not going to do that. Instead of doing that, instead of that happening, the sitting practice of meditation begins to see the way in which things are separated in the perception that they are one thing. You actually see the dynamic. You see that body functions as a body. Perception functions as perception. Feeling functions as feeling. But the links between them are, are just not there. I, would, I wouldn't go so far as to say they're snipped, never were together, but they would reach out to each other, just like the, uh, the six sense fields and their objects. Kongpur uh, uh, Jay talked about this as, as a, just uh, instantaneously the these uh, from the uh, the fifth kanda consciousness come back through the the middle three back to the to the body back to the body and reinforcing that. Reinfor- I'm I'm having the, I'm seeing this I'm having this. You can actually see things without a seer, not being cute or funny. You can actually observe. You can taste. You can eat. You can run. You can have intense suffering with no one suffering. It can be done. Am I doing that? I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe not. But I am. I am um, inspired to talk about this as clearly as I can. And I know sometimes the way I talk is maybe confusing. But the intention is to speak the truth. If I can, it's very difficult to do that. You can speak relative truth. And sometimes you need to use relative truth as the ancient uh, uh, Zen masters when they were using koans to say things that were that would completely confuse the uh, intellectual self-centered mind. Questions are good. Questions help me, help us. If you ask me questions, I want to respond. Chisho, go ahead. Um, so. Uh if there is cause and effect in the sense of a sense object uh, creating a sense perception, uh, how does that differentiation even take place if there is no uh, identity of some kind recognizing that cause and that effect? How does that happen on its own? so that that it's just the nature of consciousness to manifest in lots of different levels so it's manifesting in the terms of uh, it's as a piece of wood it's manifesting as a sky as uh, clouds as uh, computers and people are putting things together and taking things apart and it manifests in the in the mind stream as this and that and other, we we track the otherness of things uh and when we do that we tend to add on that it's actually uh, it has some kind of unique uh, 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 individuality as other, but it's empty of its own being. It's e- empty of a self. This is why the three the three uh, natures are talked about, because it's a way of approaching it that is a little bit gradual, but just enough direct so you can go in and you can see that. To see that Parakantra, or the um, dependently arisen, and the imaginary are, are not two different things is uh, the perfected nature. Just a way of talking about it. So we actually do it with the mind, a mind that is a, 
is constantly pushing on this, pulling on that, evaluating this, judging this, concluding about this, excluding about this all the time. The mind is incredibly, it's like a, it's like hundreds of acrobats all doing all different, different things in our mind or our mind stream. And there's no individual there, but that hundreds of acrobats uh, is confusing to that aspect of the mind that called the seventh consciousness, which wants to shrink into somebody because we are identified with the body so much. The, the body is here, yes, and there are nerve endings, yes, but there's no solid being here. Who, who you are is not threatened. This is temporary. This is We're just here for, as you know, I don't mean to be a, like a philosopher a very short time, but I'm saying who you are is not threatened. But who we, who we think we are, we feel threatened. Someone says something uh, impolite or, or our partner gets upset with us about something. And then we, we shrink up into somebody. And so this is why we have something like the paramitas, so that one can begin to practice. Give people the benefit of the doubt. When somebody comes to you that is difficult, give them the benefit of the doubt. They're suffering too. They're having difficulty with their, their life stream and your life stream may be crossing maybe for the first time, maybe for the 15th time. But please meet people where they're at. That doesn't mean agree with them, object to them, or ignore them. Those are the three. If you're agreeing, confusion. If you're disagreeing, confusion. If you're distracting yourself or looking away, confusion. If you're if there's just this, then this is a uh, is realization, which is not an experience. You're not going to experience realization. So if you're having these Kensho experiences, uh, uh, I'm not impressed. I've had them, so I know what they are, and they don't last. The only thing that lasts is something that doesn't show up. That lasts. It's uh, unborn and ceasing with a nature like the sky, which is the traditional way to say it. You gotta use some kind of a. If you if you realize what this is, then you have to use some kind of images to point to it. Uh, unless everybody goes away and they don't want to hear about it. In which case, we don't need computers. Michael, is there anything else to identify with other than the body? Well, yeah, opinions, thought patterns, ideas, feelings, the feeling, form, feeling, perception, our perceptions, we identify with the perception, and it tends to tie in with the conceptual structure that happens in the four skanda. Just a way of talking about it. Those skandhas are confusing to me, but, but it seems like a pretty good way to, to use those structures to help us see that this is a concoction. This is a separate things, body, speech, mind. The five skandhas, ideas, opinions, uh, what you were doing uh, in the in the in the 12th century, we're not you're not separate from that. I'm not saying you're going to remember a past life. I don't even have any interest in that unless somebody's suffering. Somebody comes to me with suffering that seems to be rooted somewhere else. I go there with them. How can I do that if I don't believe it? That's why I can do it because I don't believe or disbelieve or ignore anything other than the things that I just spontaneously ignore no position take no position what's the difference between mind and body uh, well um, relatively uh, there are two different uh, uh, two different dimensions of the same thing but ultimately same thing that's why I often say uh, you can't find your mind so stop trying to train it sit down do the one thing you can do. You can hold your body still. 
and you can watch the jibber-jabber going on in your mind. And it might go on for years. Mine certainly did. It still comes and goes. But if you just observe, you're slowly, slowly, as Trungpa Rinpoche once said, making friends with yourself. Make friends with the negativity. Stop trying to get rid of something that is not real. It is insubstantial. Yeah. When you bow, did you just say stop trying to train your mind? Yeah. You tell us all the time to train our mind. Yeah, keep training your mind. So what is it to stop train, trying to train our mind? Mm, do what I say. <laughs> of course, I want you to train your mind, but I'm saying train your mind by seeing, sitting down and holding still and seeing how untrained it is. It's always about awareness. I don't teach a technique, although I did for decades. I taught a technique of following the breath, out breath, and then labeling thinking and then returning to the breath over and over and over. I did a lot of it. And I taught it to others based on what I was being taught by uh, the Vidyadara, Trungpa Rinpoche. So I just did what I was told because I didn't know what else to do. But it doesn't show up that way anymore. And that changed over the last... Uh, 20 years or so. Michael. Yes. Michael Stoltz has a question. Michael Stoltz. He yeah. says, does not language at the same time that it separates us bring us together? Yeah. So. So do birthday parties. Uh, here's a question from <laughs> J.A. Are yeah. humans the only being who are confused about the nature of reality, or do other animals and plant life feel it too? Yeah, well, I don't know if so much of it, uh, that it's a feeling, but but uh, it's just a different way of being uh, manifesting as a living being. Trees are alive. Trees are listening to you. They're watching you, and so are obviously when with conventional eyes, those beings, the deer, the rabbits. Uh, if you go out to our pond and walk, try to sneak up on that pond, the goldfish run away under the lily pads. And then the lily pads watch the fish making use of that. I mean, I'm just, I could go on and on. Everything is dependently arisen. And if you see it, you, you won't even have that question. Is it Jay? Yes. Yeah, you won't have that question. The question is not incorrect, it's, but it's based on an assumption about the nature of relative truth. That is a misunderstanding. It's just a misunderstanding. And I would say, how do you work with that misunderstanding? Train your mind. Sit down, hold still. Watch the movement of the mind and do it from now on, forever. Do it until the body-mind collapses. Or you might find at some point that you no longer are confused by anything. Nothing is. I'm not saying it's not confusing when the mail doesn't come on time, of course. What happened to the mailman? Mail, mail girl, mail woman. Did he succeed in stopping the post office? You know, I mean, you know, it's relative stuff. You still, you're extremely good at working with relative truth because you're no longer concerned by belief and disbelief. You basically don't believe in anything. You don't agree with anything. And you actually are uh, at rest. It might not be something you can brag about, but you wouldn't even want to brag about it. It's it's just, you're not separate from anything. You know, they're, 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 you don't need a... a uh, some kind of, you don't even need the the, the, the second precept of Sheila, uh, morality. You don't need that. You don't need discipline because you are discipline. You are morality. You are that. 
Don't believe a word I say. Don't believe it. Find out for yourself. Find out who you are. You won't need me. Uh, as Trunk Purple said in uh, The Myth of Freedom, you need the teacher so you can leave the teacher. But you need the teacher so that you can listen to the teaching and listen to the teacher and train your mind so that you can f fundamentally find out who you are so that you, you're free. You're, you're, you're free. You're still in a, in a human form. You're not limited to a human form. There isn't any form that you can't uh, see or move into. A question from someone named Leaf Flow, L-I-F-L-O-W. If you don't struggle with it, how do you proceed? Watch the struggle. Don't, when I say don't struggle, I might say don't struggle, but just be, a, be aware of how you push and, and how you want this but don't want that. Just observe it. Don't come up with any strategies necessarily to stop that. Unless it's so severe in some ways, and it can be, then you probably need to talk to your teacher. You have one. You need to talk to a, someone who's dealt with this. As I sometimes say, if you want to know how to get up the mountain, talk to somebody who goes up and down that mountain all day long. For them, there really isn't a mountain. They're walking on your mountain. That's why they can meet you wherever you're at. They can meet you at the top of the mountain. They can meet you at the bottom. They can meet you in the bat cave. You ever been in there? They can meet you anywhere because they're, uh, there's no solid being in there any, anymore. There's just uh, Buddha nature. It looks, looks like a human being. If you realize this, uh, war and peace is over with. And then if there are human beings that give you permission, you may be able to help them. If they listen to you, they may not. So on that mountain, might need to talk to somebody about that, what that's like. In the case where greediness arises in the form of um, interrelationally, when someone uh, wants more time and attention yes. from another person, and or I insist on more time and attention from someone else, yeah. and you have what appears as two different uh, interpretations sure. of generosity. Sure. Good, One good. is quantity, the other is quality. I hear so you. In that situation. Yeah. How do you how do you how do you work with seeing that someone wants that the quality of infrequency is is more generous than the yeah. hitting the quota? I got it. What's your question? Work someone respecting that. What is the generosity? Yeah. So then I got it. I got it. Here we go. So generosity is not uh, giving on demand uh, because if somebody else is, uh, and uh, this could be a practitioner, it could be somebody you're working with that is not a practitioner. Practitioners, even though they're practicing, are uh, incredibly full of themselves. And so this is not wrong. It's not, you can't get rid of that self. You have to see that it's unreal. If you try to get rid of it, it'll fight back and it'll struggle. But in your situation, I would say of the two, keep the principal witness. Uh, Atisha's seven points of mind training of the two. You you look at it. You look at it and and be uh, uh, have some kind of generosity going on where you're giving in a little bit. But don't completely turn the whole uh, the whole uh, bucket of uh, fish over. So do do some middle way. Do some. 
you know, you could you could even call it negotiating a little bit. If someone is not a practitioner, uh, and as I said, even practitioners can be very, very difficult because they're also working with their crazy mind. So I would just say, uh, negotiate it. Have a have a talk, a face to face talk. Like I often tell people in the monastery, if you're having difficult with some difficulty with you, one of your Dharma brothers or sisters, sit down, bow to each other, create a strong space or mandala of you and them, and you're together. You bow, and then you and then you uh, interact around whatever the issue is. I'm not saying you could. You can't always do that with people. If it's your boss, or if you're, or if it's someone who is not a practitioner, or some, or a, or a family relative. Sometimes those, they're, they're, the the setup there is so strong. So I would say give a little, but but train your mind, train your mind so that so that you're very aware of what's happening there in terms of that structure. You may have to be very relatively, um, you know, give them some time. Rather than to, I wouldn't go into any any kind of philosophy about it. I would just keep it right, very simple. Say, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit silly here, but the next time they want your time, say, how about 20 minutes? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, you know, keep it a little bit light and say, okay, well, um, how about today? What are you doing right now? I mean, you know, meet them in the confusion with your with with your own clarity around it. And that clarity may not be clarity about uh, how to solve it. It just may be clarity about uh, you need to really give, need to really give an inch. And, and sometimes just all the, all the person is really looking for is just a little bit of openness rather than some kind of philosophy or, or you, they don't want to hear you justifying, even if they're, if they're, it's correct. And, you know, hear you justifying about how you have the right to have your freedom. And I don't go there. Just give an inch. Don't give a mile. Save that for later. <laughs> After you've received your guide. <laughs> Kevin Bowing. Yes. Kevin. You've often said don't correct people. Do. But in study groups or sangha gatherings, there is a certain form that people are asked to respect. And in circumstances where people are like interrupting or just sucking air out of the room mm -hmm. should we allow that behavior to go unchecked or is it appropriate sometimes to kind of reestablish boundaries in real time good, good point so yes and in our uh, our study groups which happen uh, every weekday at noon and then on saturdays a couple times and then uh, tuesday night monday night i think that's all of them so there's a uh, uh, studying different material, as you know, and, uh, and there is usually, and I've learned about this uh, through doing this for 45 years, uh, when it doesn't work, when you do have people interrupting, when you have, do have people who aren't really teachers that think they know a lot trying to tell other people, instead of uh, meeting people where they're at, they meet them with their ideas about them. So we have, uh, what we do is have uh, whoever is the facilitator, and maybe one of the people who functions as a facilitator might want to say something about this. But a facilitator is there to to kind of act as a as a kind of a moderator or facilitator, um, filling up the space with their wonderful knowledge. Sometimes there's other people who are, are kind of intimidated by that because somebody who is a uh, is really good with uh, intellectual structures and so on, they meet this material and they can expound. They can talk about this. This doesn't mean they're uh, enlightened. <laughs> it just means they're 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 wired differently. Whereas someone else might have powerful intuition that won't manifest in a in a in a conceptual construct. Um, 
the way Buddha nature shows up to me is uh, just about every human being I see is a different modification of Buddha nature uh, in in uh, real time, real space, so to speak. So I would say uh, if you're doing that in our group, uh, you could ask who the who the facilitator is if they're if the facilitator is not um, functioning to to help uh, address that kind of a situation. They all know anybody who has read my two or three pages on how to facilitate a book study or how a book study needs to happen. So everybody gets to enter in and gets to say or ask questions or participate. So is that what you're asking me about? Because uh, I have a have a bunch of material on that. Kevin Bowling. Yes. I mean, I'm just specifically thinking of a personal incident that happened recently, not in a, not with Soka Kochi uh, Sangha, but yeah. one in which a person was interrupting others and, yeah. and I wasn't the facilitator per se, but I, I mentioned it in real time. And then that person later, it was revealed, felt shut down and quit the group. So I, yeah. I'm wondering if as, uh, someone who's taken the bodhisattva vow, I should have just like let that person keep talking. If that person felt shut down or annoyed or went away, then uh, th th that's okay. I mean, they, they they may have to go through something like that. It may uh, The teaching aspect of that may not show up for months, maybe even years, uh, if the person was doing that. So, yeah, I would just uh, be genuine. You may have to, if you see that everyone else is not, they just have to listen to this uh, uh, as you say, suck the air out of the room or whatever, talking about it, even if they're accurate, even if they're really good and, and scholarly about the thing, still it's it's about everyone being included. And so it's very important for the facilitator, uh, he or she or they, to actually include people. And, and if someone is not talking, to not badger them about it and say, how does that look to you, uh, uh, Mary? And Mary might say, oh, I don't know. And then just leave that person alone. And then someone else who uh, like sometimes people will bring up a topic that's try to relate some topic that is not clear Dharma and it may have, may have a, some kind of import, but it's not good for a study group. Because if you're studying the Diamond Sutra, you don't want to hear about astrology or numerology or Enneagrams or, or tarot cards or anything. Not that those things aren't good by themselves, but it's like, it's like putting a ketchup on ice cream. Ice cream's nice. Ketchup isn't too bad, but together it's just kind of a dumb, uh, analogy, but it's like that. Buddhism is so vast in astrological archetypes and so on, though they might, might apply. So I would say you, you know, not knowing the situation, I, I would say you probably did fine. I wouldn't hold back in that area if it's a book study where you're, you're kind of standing up for the other people who aren't able to say that. And it's not about a sales pitch. We don't have to make this so comfortable to, for people that all of the all of the people who want to run everything or want to express their, their wonderful insight uh, can come in. It might be the very best thing for that person to go and study with somebody else. They're not ready for this kind of dharma. So I know you well enough that I can answer that question directly to you. If, if it was somebody that I never met before was asking that question, it would be unlikely they'd, they'd even ask me that question. But I know you well enough to know that you probably functioned just fine there, fine there and met it where it was at. So. Oh, you're really good. <laughs> are we all, are we done? You said yesterday that Shikantaza is to observe our failure, how we cannot do it. Um, and following what Kevin just uh, said, 
I'm just wondering whether it points into the human conditions of how we are conditioned to fail most of the time, perhaps even all the time. So what, what is the question? I hear what you're saying, but I need a question. My question is whether we are conditioned to basically fail all the time. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go be that strong on it. The conditioning is all over the place, but the failure idea is, is an imputation uh, that that the ego says. There's no way you can fail. There's no way you can succeed. There is no one. There is no one. So to success on this path, as uh, Trungpa Rinpoche said so many years ago, and so correctly, the path is one failure after another until the final disappointment, which is awakening itself. You don't get to be somebody. You don't get to be special. You don't get to be uh, all shiny with belief all over you. Those are teaching devices. Realization is not separate. You realize that you're not separate from anything anymore. Never were. That's why it's an awakening rather than a, rather than a, uh, some kind of a gaining idea. You actually awaken to what your true nature. You're no longer covering it up with confusion, passion, aggression, ignorance. Those are still there, but they can't find a person. So you're still alive, you still have hands, you still have to do what? Eat, you have to eat, go for a walk, interact with people, but there's no solid being there anymore. And it's called liberation, it's called freedom. Not freedom from, just basic freedom. Nothing is separate. And so if it's coming up, the failure situation is coming up for you, Maria, just continue to look at that. Let it show up as failure, let it show up as failure. Don't polish it. If it shows up, if, it, if something shows up and you call it failure, what showed up was not failure. That's your imputation about it. There isn't any, there's no one to, no one to, no one to fail. This doesn't mean that you won't feel like, I, I feel this every day, all the time I feel failure. Every time I get up from a Dharma talk, I feel like I failed. I didn't convey what I see. I wasn't able to do that. I'm, I'm not going to stop. And so on some level, uh, as long as there's relative truth is happening, uh, I get older and older and older. And sometimes I might even at some point, I might be able to actually point this out more directly than I have been. Failure. If, if I'm, I'm functioning as your teacher, I think if, if I'm experiencing this, why should you be so special? You can't do it, too. You can fail. No big deal. No self in the skandhas. There's nobody on that stage. The person on the stage that's acting as your life uh, is unreal. I don't care how how much when you pinch your cheeks. There's somebody here. No, there's not. There's no identity. There's nerve endings here. There's sky. There's clouds. There's coffee, maybe with cream. But it's not separate. We separate it out when we focus on it. We separate out on the failure. We separate, we, we use our emotions to reinforce somebody who's not getting somewhere. And there might be echoes of your conditioning from your mom, your dad, or how, what you've been taught, or what kind of uh, uh, terrible things you went through when you were 17, 18, or three or four. Those things, are, uh, th- those things can't be gotten rid of or forgotten, but you can see that they're unreal. They, they don't have any substantial we, we keep re- resurrecting them as something because they have such a bundle of emotions wrapped around them.
Any further questions? Kevin Bowing. Yes. Earlier you mentioned, and I'm ad-libbing or paraphrasing, uh, that we shouldn't follow Donna or generosity as some sort of prescriptive measure, because if we did, we might be ignoring the way that we're greedy. I did. So would, would an example of that be like, like uh, I don't know, not to pick on anybody, like Bill Gates, who has a gajillion dollars and gives sort of in blanket ways, but maybe can't see the way that there's still this desire to acquire more and more? Probably so. I think there's something to that. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure what the specific question is, but I, the way in which I'm understanding it, I would say yes. Uh, excuse me, lots of people are just incredibly wealthy, but it's dependent, it's all dependently arisen. So we don't know the causes and conditions that arose to bring about that kind of uh, uh, wealth. And that, the upside is they're wealthy and they get to spend money and, you know, but you notice that no matter how wealthy you are, you still got to eat and you still got to poop. You know, you can't quite get away from that. You might do it in a gold toilet, but, you know, whoop de do. I'd just rather have one that works. That'd be good enough. So it's a very, very interesting area. It's about the self-aggrandizement of the power that we have. If we have lots of money or if we have really wonderful things. Or so is there some kind of imputation around that? I guess my question was, how can expressing generosity as a sort of personal standard cover up greed <laughs> so uh, let's go back to bill gates if he's got a foundation that and he sets it up and he keeps a lot of money for himself but he sets up a foundation where he takes a certain percentage maybe even 10 15 percent it's still greed it's still he's the one who's measuring it and and comparing that to all the other people in the world that have not quite as much money who don't give anything or the people who have maybe have more money who don't give anything so anytime you set up standards this is about isolation into a separate self who wants power over things. And so it's about, I'm not saying he, what he's doing isn't helping people. Of course it is. But his particular dynamic, he might be better off to uh, give everything away. Just saying. Are we are we good? Do we need? Is there any other questions or? Christina from Petoskey uh, asks. Yeah. How do we misunderstand generosity? By thinking there's something to give. But by thinking that when you give something, you 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 you've lost something, or when you get something, you've acquired something, or when somebody gives you something that you somehow owe them. Same thing happens with apologies and forgiveness. So that's another complicated, save that for another talk. Anna Maria Bowing, what is giving without something to give? <laughs> um, it's situational. If someone needs something, you give it to them. If you don't have it, then you, you give them your attention. You listen to them. 
if they want something that's just that you can't don't have any say so about, you can at least listen to what how they're doing. You can give them their your attention. But nothing really, everything belongs to you and nothing belongs to anybody. So everything, everywhere you look, this is all yours. So, but the, 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 the way it is set up in the world because of intense, intense warfare and materialism, uh, it's, it's, the value is converted into, into bits of, uh, what is it? Bitcoin. It's dividing they're trying to find ways to divide that up and make sure that nobody loses control of their big, you know, bank account. And, and still it makes it easier. It's just a very, very interesting to watch uh, the whole uh, financial area um, struggle with that. And it's just, it, yeah, go ahead. Would it be somewhat accurate or not at all to say that there's nothing that's being given, just constant redistribution? You, you could say that if you want to stay in the materialistic, so it's understandable. But fundamentally, that's uh, the Buddhist teaching, ultimate teaching is threefold purity. No, no giver, no gift, nothing given. If you think there is, I'm not saying that there isn't something happening like that. But the fundamental understanding, the clear perception of emptiness, the clear per perception of not to is to be in the midst of this duality. And not be trapped by it to actually give somebody something, receive something from someone. The most profound form of generosity, I think, is to give everything your attention and to receive what comes your way. It's powerful. And it will- In the absolute sense, is the appearance of moving gone? Yeah, nothing moves. It's just, it's an illusion. It says uh, His Holiness Karmapa said to, uh, um, the Vajrayegent Ursul Tenzin on his deathbed in near Chicago in 1981, nothing happens. At which point uh, the Vajrayegent broke down uh, weeping because his holiness was, died within a few days. Yeah, I think he was 59 or something. He was fairly young for a, to die of uh, cancer. Nothing happens. So sure, things happen, but ultimately nothing happens. Thank you. Thank you. Are we, have another question? Uh, just one last one from Suseki. John Miller is ice cream under ketchup. Okay. Um, ice cream under ketchup. I'm not sure. I'll get back with you on that. Uh, the ice cream and the ketchup. Uh, if the ketchup doesn't have any sugar in it, that's helpful. And if the ice cream is just a like a, a drawing of a picture of ice cream, then then you're good. We can go ahead and dedicate the merit from the mon okay. monastery. Thank you, everyone. The monastery will dedicate the merit, and we will tag along. to all places so that we in every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way.
beings of three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who's unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with life. Que siempre seas feliz. Que siempre seas feliz.